Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. How's everybody doing? So I, I noticed something. First of all, I didn't realize the Cowboys were playing the Broncos today, but I noticed we had some greeters wearing oh, Broncos no. jerseys. <laughs> and I promptly removed them from the premises. So, <laughs> Just kidding, I didn't do that. Uh, well, welcome to Renew Life Church. This is your first time. Can we give all of our first-time guests a round of applause? <laughs> Good to see you guys. Uh, you're in the middle, or you, you joined us in the middle, I should say, of our family tune-up series. And, and if you missed last week, I'm glad, um, <laughs> because my wife was very inappropriate. She said some things she shouldn't have said. And this week, I've got a little sign with the sound guy, and with a wiggle of the <laughs> ear, her microphone goes dead. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, no, we're actually true story. So I'm at um, I, I'm going to Chick Fil A, and I'm in line at Chick Fil A to get my daughter some uh, nuggets and me a side salad. Um, yeah, I didn't get a chicken sandwich. Um, and I go to give my order, and the I, the guy comes up and says, "Can I get your name, sir?" And I said, "Braden." And he kind of gives me this look, and he's like, "Like the Braden from Renew Life Church, Braden?" And I was like, "Yeah." It's, and I'm like, "Oh, great! I get a chance to interact." And he's like. Yeah, last week was my first time there. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to keep said, it PG this week. I said, really? And he said, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> but he came back this week. I'm not going to call him out. He's okay, here, good. but I, so I actually okay. introduced myself to him. So he's, he survived one more service. But no, seriously, we're in the middle of our family tune-up series and uh, where we just want to, we, we, we really do want to get real with you guys about some things where the family concerned. We're talking about marriage. We did last week. We're going to talk about marriage again today. But before we jump too far into it, I just want to uh, just, just let you know that the family is important to God. Not only is the family important to God, the family is actually important to the church. And uh, very important to the church, actually. In fact, 1 Timothy 3, we read this last week in 1 Timothy 3. Uh, God, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the Apostle Paul, to his spiritual son Timothy. Paul's talking to Timothy about leading this church in Ephesus. And he's training, pa Paul's training Timothy on how to train leaders. And when he, one of the things he said to him, he says, there's, there's a lot of things that these leaders in the church should have. But most importantly, or more, one of the most important things is that they, have a, uh, they manage their household well. One verse actually says, if you can't manage your own household, if you don't have a healthy home, how can you manage God's church? So you say, well, I'm actually, uh, that, that counts me out. I have no desire to be a leader in the church. Well, not necessarily. If God wants the leaders of the church to have healthy families, it's because he wants the leaders of the church leading you towards healthy families. And so the, the family is very, very uh, important to, to God. It's very, very important to the local church. And so uh, I, I want to I just take off by sharing what we said last week uh, in Genesis chapter 2. Starting in verse 22, it says, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man. He brought her to her man. Uh, hang on. He brought her to her man. I like the way I said it better. I'm going to have my own translation written. Uh, and he brought her to the man. The man said, Now this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, Whoa, man. For she was taken out of man. Church jokes. Uh, verse 24, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. It's very important that when it comes to marriage that we allow the scriptures to 
particularly where they're very black and white, to define what marriage is. Uh, there's what's called the law of first mention. Anytime something's mentioned for the first time in Scripture, it's setting the pattern for that, or whatever it's talking about, throughout the rest of Scripture. And we see here it's very clear. God created it one man and one woman. One man and one woman. There's an attack on this version of marriage in our culture today. Uh, and it, it was, it was I'm, I'm just going to be real transparent with you on a couple of things. Because of the fact that we just love people regardless of what, uh, where they are at in life and where they're at in their journey, uh, there are quite a few people that call Renew Life Church their home church that are, are homosexuals or lesbians. And last week it was very tough for me to, to share this because I know it didn't sit well with some of them. Uh, and, and I'm just, I'm just going to be honest and transparent as your pastor. I love you no matter what your situation is. I love you no matter if you have a different opinion than I do, but I also love you enough to tell you what the Bible says. And this is what the Bible says concerning marriage. And that doesn't mean that what you think you feel is not real. That's not what this is about. This is just about trying to help the the church understand why is it one man and one woman? Why is it? Because God said it was. Not because I said it was or no, or my denomination said it was. No, the Bible says that. And if you want to have a healthy marriage, you got to do it his way. And so we kind of established that. But the other thing that we established in, in talking about this is that God said the two became one. So God's plan for marriage is to take two things that are separate and bring those things together in unity. Well, if God's plan is to take things that are separate and bring them together, how do you think the enemy is going to attack the marriage? Take things that are together and try to get them to be, be separate. And so one of the things we just want to talk about today is just uh, that very thing. How do we practically uh, take two things that are sometimes seem so far apart and stay together, stay one in those things? Yeah, it's super important um, what we're talking about today. And I think, you know, after all my inappropriate parts were over with last week, Brayden stepped in and brought some um, really good spiritual truth. That's kind of how we work. I'm usually inappropriate. He's like deep in spiritual. But um, he said something at the very end that was really powerful. um, And it was nothing brings a husband and wife together better than a singular pursuit of the kingdom of God. Two people going the same direction at the same speed. And, and everything that God does is all about unity. And just like he said, everything the enemy does is all about division. And so if we can get husband and wife to go to the, to the same direction, the same speed, you know, Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his righteousness, his, his, his way, his way of doing things, and all these things will be added unto you. So, so seeking first him together. And, um, you know, I think today we're just going to talk about some pretty practical um, things that we can we can do as married couples to help us not only stay one but to become more more in unity and more one than we already are right now. That's good. We'll just start right here. I'll, I'll start with this statement: being one in a couple as a couple as a married couple, being one requires mutual respect for what strengths each of you brings to the table. Not just love. A love doesn't keep a marriage together. There, requ- there requires a mutual respect for what the other, the strengths that the other brings to the table. If you think about the concept of corporate mergers where two companies come together, oftentimes what happens is you get two companies that realize this company has a strength that I don't have. Vice versa, this other company recognizes, yeah, but they also have strengths that I don't have. And so the two companies merge together. They, the two become one based on a strength that they recognize that's in the other person. Oftentimes, that doesn't happen enough when it comes to married couples. They fall in love, and they think that, well, we're in love, so the love will keep us together. Well, one of the things that brings you even closer together is a mutual respect for the gift that the other person has. See, the Bible says that we all know in part and we all prophesy in part. 
That, mean, that means in you is something God ordained that you know by the Spirit of God, a gift that you have given to you by the Spirit of God. It's a, it's, we, t- we talk about this sometimes. There's something in every single one of us that's uniquely you, but it's perfectly God. So inside me is something that's perfectly God. Inside her is something that's perfectly God. And I have to learn to acknowledge that there's something perfectly God in her, even if I don't understand it. Even if I don't even agree with it, I have to, by faith, acknowledge there will be things you see that I'll be blind to, and it will cause me to have to submit to her. Husbands love the, the, the verse that says, wives, submit to your husbands. Not so much the verse that says, husbands, give up your life for your wife. So I, there has to be that mutual respect. And I would say for us, one of the areas that I know uh, that I've seen us have to really work on this, but also it create a lot of health in our family, is in the area of parenting. Uh, when it comes to parenting, Leanne's a, well, first of all, she's a very mercy-motivated person. She's very forgiving. She's very merciful. She's very tender. She's very loving. She's a very safe person. So our, our daughters, they, they know they can share anything with Leanne. They can talk to anything, talk to her about anything. She, she takes care of our daughters very, very well. She mothers them well. Uh, on the other side of the, uh, of the coin, I'm a very strong personality. I, I believe very much in discipline, hard work, and I'm very black and white in the way that I see things. Where's all my black and white people at? Come on. And all you great people are messing up our world. Uh, And so there's times where the way I see something concerning parenting, it's very black and white. It's very clear, whereas she lives in the gray at times. And and, and I'll know that when it comes to parenting, we have had to uh, come to this agreement. In fact, I think Leanne started this. It's this look I get when I'm being too harsh with my daughters. It's funny we didn't talk about this, but I was very clear what she was talking about when she just gave me that. I was raised in a house full of all boys. I didn't have, I didn't have sisters. And so raising two girls has been a learning experience of me. Just, we're just being tender is concerned. Well, I can't look at that as an attack on me. I can't look at that as when she gives me the look as, as, as that's an attack on me. And I guess we should, I really felt strongly we should, we should pause on something here. And I wish we'd have said this in the first service. Some of the things we're going to say today are going to be very pointed. Uh, they're gonna, they can feel very corrective in nature not because we know your story, but if you know your story and we say something that's different from what the, the story you're currently living out, it can feel, feel very corrective. But here's what I've learned. Because my identity is in Christ, correcting my behavior doesn't cut me to the core. Because I am not my behavior. I am the righteousness of Jesus. And so what you have to understand is if every, every successful pursuit of God and every successful relationship has to be with the individual being, being secure in who they are in Christ. If I'm secure in who I am in Christ, if I get the look from my wife that I'm being too harsh with my daughters, I don't want to attack her back because she's not, she hasn't attacked me. She hasn't cut me to the core. No, that's not what she's done. She's just made a comment about my behavior. I can receive a comment about my behavior if I'm hidden in Christ. And so because I'm hidden in Christ, when she gives me that look of, um, you're being a little harsh, I can submit to that knowing that there's something perfectly God in her and give respect to the gift of God that's in her and respond uh, accordingly. Yeah, for sure. And I've definitely had to do that on my end as well and just realize that um, sometimes I need to defer to his his strength and just be a little, you know, a little tougher on the girls, a little harsher, a little just bit more, you know, disciplinarian and sometimes I get a little lax and so I've had to learn to do the same thing as well on my end but um you know I think another really great example of um you know having mutual respect for the gifts that your spouse brings is uh in our lives has been finances um yes we have had quite a 
fun time in our marriage with finances, as I'm sure some of you had as well. But um, we've definitely learned that no one person in the marriage should be carrying the bulk of the, the finances in the marriage. Um, it's, it's definitely too much. You shouldn't be carrying the weight. One person shouldn't be carrying all the weight. And I think that taking it just to a personal example, when we first got married, um, after about year one of our marriage, once the goosebumps kind of wore off, um, you realize that you've kind of just started down a track of, of, of doing something a certain way. And so I had just sort of taken on the responsibility of the budget and the finances. And I don't, we didn't even really have a budget at first. We had to even learn what a budget was. And, and uh, we were like 16 and 14 years old when we got married. So <laughs> anyway. Who was 16 and who was 14? <laughs> Let's not go there. Anyway, oh. <clears throat> moving on. Um, I carried the, the bulk of the finances in our, in our marriage, and we continued to struggle in um, just keeping things going well in our finances and staying, you know, above water. And um, you have to realize I was a straight-A student except for one subject called math. And I barely scraped by with, like, a B with tutoring and with help. And Brayden was, like, UIL, number sense, genius. And, and there I was trying to do the budget, and he just wasn't involved in it, and it just kept kind of taking a nosedive every single month, we would realize, like, why don't we have any money and what's going on? And so I think we had to learn how to come together and bring our, our strengths. I had to learn, well, you had to learn to at least first well, jump in I to would that. Say, and I would say that actually the more the emphasis was on me on this particular mm -hmm. area, and I'd say this to every single husband in here, one of the things that's easy to do is particularly if, you're a, if you have a stay-at-home mom and a dad who works a full-time job, it's just real easy to, th to think or believe, well, they have more time to do it. I'll, 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 I got the job. I'm the one working the long hours, blah, blah, blah. If you could just take care of this. It, and I'll just say this. If, if husbands in this room, if your understanding of your finances are, well, I make some money, and the money I make pays our bills, and we have a little bit left over, that's not good enough. <laughs> And, and, and sadly enough, that's about the extent of understanding that a lot of husbands in the home have. They punt that. It's, it's actually, it's laziness. I was just lazy. I wasn't bringing what I, what I was supposed to to the table. I was taking one very serious part of our life and our marriage together, and I was leaving it to her to do by herself. Again, I, was, I inadvertently, through just laziness and lack of discipline and, and not knowing what I needed to be doing, I was taking something that should have been being done together and like, allowing it to be done separately. And so I know for me, what I had to do is just to get involved and, and say, okay, I need to bring my strength to the table. I know it was real fun, though, when I did decide to get involved. Yeah, real fun. Uh, yeah. So I remember the first time where I was like, okay, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to take my role in the, in the family. So I'm going to start watching over our spending, blah, blah, blah. And so I remember the first time she brought home groceries from the grocery store. And I sit down, I reached into one of the bags and pulled out the receipt. And I started going through the receipt. She goes, what are you doing? I was like, I'm being the head of the home, woman. Don't talk to me like that. No. This is a true story. <laughs> I didn't say that. That part wasn't true. No, but you but did this, pull this, out the receipt. I did pull started, out the like, receipt, and down. I started going through it, and she's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm being involved. This is what we said we wanted. And she's like, I know how to shop for groceries. I've been doing it for my whole life. And I was like, whoa, whoa, you need to rein that in. what you need to do. <laughs> so I know there were times where that, that, that journey, if you will, created some, some tension and some conflict, but I'll just say this. It's worth the, it's worth the fight. 
it's worth the fight to go through the things and do things together. Now, kind of what we've settled on is this, we've got a, a system that we use. We have our, we have our budget planning meetings. I've built an Excel document, and, uh, and, and in this Excel document, I know what all of our bills are, the date they're due, the interest rate for every debt and the payment, how much cash flow would have generated if I paid this debt off, and all, da, 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 we have all those, all those things in this document. We put it together. By the way, if you don't have a budget, you should have one. Okay, just make, just making sure. Okay. No, no, seriously. I, a lot of people still come to us and they're like, "So this thing called a budget. Now, what exactly is that?" You know, the Bible says no man builds a building without counting the cost first. In other words, he had a budget, unless he looks like a fool to the rest of the town when he runs out of money. Right? Amen. Okay, just making sure. So, and I would just say, as a husband, you need to get involved with that. You need to, you need to understand where your money's going. You need to bring your strength to the table. And you might be sitting there saying, yeah, but actually my wife's better at math than I am at math. I'm actually not good with money. It's a spiritual thing, not a natural thing. There's a spiritual strength that comes on your finances when you choose to do things God's way. And so, like I said, we, we, for us, it was something where I, we have our budget meetings and plan out several months in advance. We talk about how we're going to do, and literally everything's scheduled, and, and Leanne does the execution. Yeah, and uh, I suggest bring, a, bring some wine to, to those meetings, those budget meetings. Just saying, I mean, <laughs> mute, just mute. for help and trying to help them. Mute. <laughs> mute. Uh. I'm not saying, you know, just a little bit helps. <laughs> For us non-Excel spreadsheet people, these kind of people can be really annoying. That's all I'm saying. Just keeping it real. And there it is. So, uh, you invited me. So. <laughs> no, it, it, but, it, but it is true. On Wine is true for her. Um, <laughs> but no, it, and, and I, I think it goes right into the next thing that we, we wanted to talk about, which was uh, as far as being one coming together, because finances, this is a big one where finances is, is concerned. Being one requires absolute honesty with your spouse. I know that sounds so elementary, but being one requires absolute honesty with your spouse. It really is alarming to me, and, and I've done quite a bit of marriage counseling now uh, in 15 years of marriage, almost 15 years in marriage, and, and having pastored and been a full-time minister for a while. It's alarming to me how many couples are actually okay with little secrets within their marriage. Little secrets about what one's spending. Little secrets about this and that. And I, and, I, and I just made a couple of, just if the shoe fits, wear it. But there should be no secrets where your finances are concerned. There should not be something that you've bought, you've stuck back in the closet, and you'll only bring it back out when deer season gets here. <laughs> and you would have told your wife if she would have asked if you bought a new rifle, but she didn't ask. So what's the point in telling her something she didn't ask? There should be no secrets when it comes to the handling of your finances. I'll just say this. If you create a, 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 a unity on how you're handling the finances, there won't be secrets anyway so that they actually help each other out. But there, there should be no secrets when it comes to your finances, what this one's spending on that, what that one's... And it's, it's not about micromanaging. It's just about creating a culture of transparency in, in your marriage. We are transparent with, about every single area of our life. I'll tell you another area that I've noticed caused a lot of problems in marriages is alcohol, since we brought up wine. Um, <laughs> the Bible's black and white in one regard when it comes to alcohol. Don't get drunk. The Bible says don't be a drunkard. Don't get drunk. Don't, don't drink wine or alcohol in excess. So we know that. But did, did you also know that if you're a married couple 
and maybe you went, let's say a husband comes into the marriage and maybe he has a past with alcohol, he has an issue with alcohol, it's something that he doesn't do a very good job controlling, and the little bitty glass turns into a big glass, turns into five glasses, turns into I don't remember what I did last night, and that's kind of your, your pattern. If all of a sudden the wife says, I don't think you should have any alcohol at all, her desire trumps the just don't get drunk rule because the two of you are supposed to be together. And I can't tell you how many arguments I've seen this happen where couples get in an argument because one thinks we shouldn't drink, the husband shouldn't drink at all, but the husband thinks he should be able to have one drink. And so instead of having a big fight about it, if he so chooses to have a drink with the guys before he comes home to work, a little Wrigley Spearmint and he's good to go. Pop a stick of gum in, come home and can't smell it, no big deal. She doesn't know, see, I can control it. Secrets, little bitty secrets that create division. And it's funny how those little bitty secrets, even if you think you can control it, usually end up getting out of control, causing a problem. And then it's not just the fact that you had a drink that she's upset with. It's why did you have a secret? Why didn't you tell me what's going on? I'll say this in this particular portion. If you, as a married couple, if it's not easy to tell your spouse the truth about something that you're struggling with without them losing their mind, you're literally literally creating an atmosphere that makes them want to lie more. If you're struggling with an area and you can't come to your spouse, can we just all agree there should be no safer place for you to be transparent than with your spouse? There should be nothing that, remember, in in the garden, Adam and Eve, they were naked and unashamed. There was no shame. They were totally transparent with each other. It should not be that there's a friend you have that you can be more transparent with than you can be your spouse because if you tell your spouse, they blow up, they, 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 they have a meltdown, they start saying all this stuff, they start bringing up the past. Create a culture. One of the things you can do in helping your spouse if they're struggling in that area and keeping secrets and there's mistrust, make sure you're creating an environment where it's really easy to tell the truth. Really easy to be transparent. Really tr- easy to be honest. You're not going to lose uh, your temper. Be, be honest about the relationships you have at work. You just hear it all the time. Maybe you, you've got this, this, this secretary at work that you don't call her. You're not, you're not sending messages. You're not, you don't have necessarily something super inappropriate. But man, you sure are flirtatious when you come in the office every morning. You sure are pretty chatty when you come in in the office every morning. It's just secret relationships. That little bitty secret turns into something that can be inappropriate. Social media, any type of use on the internet. There should be, you should never be concerned if your phone's left on the kitchen table and your wife picks it up. If there is anything on your phone, a site you've looked up or someone you've texted or something you've said to someone, if you're concerned about them reading it, it's letting you know there's probably secrets in your marriage that you need to work through. You need to have an opus, an open, honest relationship with your, with your spouse. Yeah, you know, Colossians 3, 9 says this, and right before verse 9, it's talking about what Jesus has done for us and what we have because of him and how we're not the old person anymore, but we take on a new nature because of Jesus. And so verse 9 says this. It says, don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. So put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So for me, this tells me, you know, I know when Jesus died for us, it's instant. We're, we're, we're set free. We're made new. Our spirit's made new. But a lot of times our, our flesh take, might take some time. And it takes some, some you know, you're, you're going to have to, some of these things you're going to have to just use your will and decide, I'm not going to lie to my spouse. Yeah. 
I know for me, there was times where, you know, I would shop and, and not necessarily tell him, oh, I never bought anything, but I would just omit certain things that I would buy. And it caused major problems in our marriage. And so if we will just not lie to each other and, and remember that we've been given a new nature and that old nature that the enemy tries to remind us of and put back on us is no longer our nature. And so anything that the Bible tells us to do in this manner is only going to point us to success and unity. Because yeah, you, um, you yeah. can say, well, if I tell the truth, mm-hmm. it's going to get me into this trouble and this trouble and this right. trouble. And the enemy wants to convince you mm-hmm. that not doing this is actually going to create more problems than are there with just mm-hmm. a few things that maybe aren't 100% transparent. But yeah. if the Bible says it, it'll help. Yeah, and be willing to have the tough conversations. Um, yeah, don't lie to each other in a discussion. And so, you know, do you, I think you have, it comes down to what kind of marriage do you want to have? Statistics say that I think it's maybe even over 50% of marriages are now ending in divorce. And that's not just um, outside of the church. That is also inside the church. There's actually zero difference yeah, of, the, is, of the statistics inside the church and outside the church. Right. So you have to decide what, what kind of marriage am I, do I want to have? And what kind of marriage am I willing to go through to have? What kind of things am I, what I should say, is what kind of things am I willing to go through to get the marriage that I really want? Um, do you want an average marriage or do you want a growing, vibrant, flourishing marriage? You know, Brady and I, sometimes people look at us like, oh, you guys are pastors. You probably have like the perfect marriage and you probably are just, you know, perfect and never fight. And um, it, it couldn't be further from the truth. We have actually just chosen to do the tough things, to have the hard conversations. And it's alarming to, to me and to us when we talk to couples who we never fight. It's all good all the time. Lies. And you just think like, wow. Lies, Stephen, lies. You're, you're, yeah, I mean, you have to have the tough conversations to grow. And if we really want to grow and if we don't want to end up divorced, no shame at all, though, to divorced people. There's things that have happened. And, um, you know, God is God and he is good and he has a plan for you, even if you have been divorced. And so, but in this topic, you've got to be willing to have the tough conversations, be willing to be vulnerable with your spouse and put it all out there so that you can have a flourishing marriage. It's good. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, kind of go on to the next thing. And this is something super important. It's very important that you realize to have a successful marriage, to be one, to come together. There's no other personal, other than your personal relationship, I should say it this way, other than your personal relationship with God, nothing comes before your marriage. Other than your personal relationship with God, nothing comes before your marriage. Your job does not come before you. These are simple things, but it's, it's funny. And you might have to look at it a little different to, to get the fullness of this. Do you put more energy and effort into your job than you do your marriage? Your job should not come before your marriage. Your hobbies should not come before your marriage. You have to put energy and effort into your, into your marriage. I'll just, I'm going to say something very transparent here. It wasn't too terribly long ago in the last couple of months where I realized I wasn't putting nearly as much into my marriage as I was the success of this church as I was to some things in business that I was doing, as I was a few other, there were some things that I was not putting the effort into. My, my schedule had gotten crazy, and trust me, you can make a thousand excuses of why it's that way. A big one, children's sports, kids' sports. It's amazing how much time and energy and, like you say, margin is chewed up in the area of kids' sports. And so it's, and it can seem so such, such an automatic, so, well, it's for the kids. We want our kids to grow up and have the opportunities. And he's, little Johnny's going to be the, the, the next Nolan Ryan. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it, we just, we, we have all these beliefs. Oh, it's, it's, it's going to be worth it in the long run. It won't be worth it in the long run if it costs you your marriage. It won't be, because you're, before you're called to help little Johnny get to the major leagues, you're called to demonstrate a healthy marriage. 
And if and, and trust me, that if, if they're watching that dad cares more about making sure little Johnny has every single thing that he needs and he's putting more effort into his sports career than he is mom at home, Houston, we have a problem. And so it's just very important that you understand. I, I've watched it even happen when it comes to church because your personal relationship with God and the local church are not one and the same. It, unfortunately, some people coming to church makes them think they have a personal relationship with God. That's not the truth. I've also watched people put more energy and effort into their job or role or serving or whatever in the local church than they do their marriage. The only thing that comes before your marriage is your individual personal relationship with God. And and the reason it comes first is because a healthy relationship with God makes you better at everything you do. So that's why it comes first. But there's nothing in your life uh, that, that, that should come before your marriage. Yeah, and I think as, you know, uh, women, we really have to watch with the kids, not putting the kids before our husbands. Um, it's been a, an area that I've had to really watch. You know, from the time those cute little babies come into this world, they are so needy. They need everything. From the second they're born, and now mine are a little older, 12 and 8, but they are still so needy all the time. I mean, like last night we're trying to study, and we just literally can't hardly get a second. <laughs> Brayden was like, can we get a moment by ourselves? Five minutes by ourselves. They're just so needy all the time. And we, as much as we love them and we want to care for them and we know we're called to care for them, we also have to remember that we're first called to be a helpmeet to our husbands and to be a spouse to our husbands. And um, that's what God has anointed us to do, and the kids come second. And like Braden said, any a lot of times in marriages, any margin that you have as a family is chewed up by kids' activities, kids' sports, kids' hobbies, um, and just taking care of the kids in general. And I think we just have to remember that um, we can sometimes become attached more to what our kids need, and we're actually becoming – we sometimes begin to get our identity through what our kids need than even through the Heavenly Father. And so we have to remember Him first. This is where we get our life source and this second. And then kids come out of that and flow out of that health. And so, Well, and I will say, I think one of the things, we obviously haven't done everything right, but I think one of the things that we have done that's really helped us is um, we've made sure that from the day our kids were born and as soon as they could be left with a babysitter and stay alive. Uh, <laughs> that was our mark, marker, as long as they'll stay alive. Um, but what we made sure that there wasn't just family vacations every year, there was Braden and Leanne vacations every the year. The two are not the same. <laughs> Those two are not yeah. the same. A family vacation is not, is not the same as you two going somewhere together. And I'll tell you what I've watched. I've watched because, of, like, like Leanne said, it's clear that most of the time the mother's the one attending to the majority of the kid's needs and a lot of those, those day-to-day needs in the kid. They can get very focused in taking care, of them, taking care of the needs of their kid. Then it's like when it comes time for vacation, we go on a family vacation, the mom wakes up every day still taking care of the needs of the kid. Instead of having... It, start with one night where one night you get a babysitter, you leave the kids with somebody else overnight where the, your only job the rest of the night and as you wake up in the morning is to invest in the person laying next to you. Mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you how many times that I've heard this. People say that their kids are five, six, seven, eight years old, and they're like, yeah, we hadn't had a vacation just the two of us in, man, 10 years. You know, there's something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I, I know that for us, we've done a really good job of being intentional. Well, and we can always do better, but we've, done, we've tried to do a good job of making sure every summer, if we're going to take a vacation with the kids, that's great. But what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Because they're not going to succeed if we're not succeeding. Mm-hmm. And if we're not getting away and reminding ourselves of how much we love each other and those, those good things where, where mom's not think, waking up in the morning thinking about what, getting the kids breakfast. No, we're just thinking about each other. And if you're not intentional, and, and, and again, if that's, 
that's you. I know I've, I've listened to a lot of moms deal with this. You need to overcome the fear of leaving your kid with somebody else. You need to overcome the fear of leaving. It's like, well, I don't want to leave them with this person because they've got this issue. And I can't put them in this person because they smoke in their car. And I don't want my kids driving in secondhand smoke. And I don't want them leaving with this person because they're crazy. And my mom, I can't leave them with my parents or your parents because they're real crazy. And there's, there's so many reasons, moms, we can come up with of why we can't leave our kids with somebody else. I'll just say this. There will be times you'll have to do it by faith. There's not a mom on the planet that thinks somebody else can take care of their kid as good as they can. And they're true. They're, it's right. But like I said, if they can keep them alive <laughs> for 48 good hours. But, but that is true. And, and I, again, have these conversations. I thought it was so powerful this, uh, between services. Um, a couple came up to, uh, came up to me in the, in, the, in the foyer, and they said, hey, we're kind of new here, but I wanted to share something last week. Um, Last week, the message changed our life. They said, at the end of the message, you, you said, I feel strongly to speak to some things. Uh, and and I, I had a word of knowledge for a couple. And they said, that was us that you were talking to. And they, they, they were kind of sheepish in explaining this to me. They said, you know, we, we actually went to lunch and we actually talked with each other. We talked with each other. We looked each other in the eye and we had a spiritual conversation. Several months ago, we did a marriage class and in this marriage class, we, uh, at the end of it, I, and I told Leanne I was going to do this. She's like, you're gonna, you realize how awkward that's going to be for everybody? I said, yes, and I cannot wait to see looks on their faces. Uh, and at the end of the marriage class, I said, now, if you're husbands and wives, I want you to turn your chairs and face each other. And I want you to talk about something spiritual, something godly pertaining to your marriage for two minutes. You would have thought I said two hours. And, I mean, the looks on some of the husbands' faces... It, when it's like, hey, have a, have a conversation and connect with your, with your wife on a spiritual level, it was terrifying. That shouldn't be. And I, and I, and I would say just be willing to do the th- Leave here today and say, hey, you know what? We need to talk. We need to have, let's, laugh, let's have lunch. Let's talk about some of these things. Let's look each other in the eye and say, you know what? It's been six years since we had a vacation together. Let's start saving right now, and let's me and you go somewhere and focus on us. And get very, very intentional about investing into each other. You know, and I, this is just real strong on my heart, too. I wasn't planning on saying this, but if you are here this morning and you're married to someone who's not serving God, uh, maybe you're doing it alone and you know this is the right way, but your spouse is not, is not following along, husband or wife, um, a lot of these things you can still do by faith. And you can do these things um, trusting God, while, while trusting God to change your marriage and bring life and health into your marriage and for your spouse to come to know Jesus. Um, you can still lean into their strengths by faith because um, no matter what, God has a good plan for your life. And even though you might be listening to us think, well, that's, that's, I, I, there's no way I can even do that because my spouse doesn't even believe in God. Or, or, but I just want to encourage you today to just lean in to the power of God. He is able to do above and beyond anything that you could even imagine. And the Bible says he's God of the impossible. And so trust him as you begin to maybe put some of these things in practice as best as you can and do them by faith and watch him turn your situation around. Amen.
It's good. And, I, and we'll just kind of close with this because I think you're, you're, I love where you're going with this because we can do this. We could spend the rest of this year talking about marriage every single week and not cover all of the little issues and the little nuances uh, and give you something specific that fits your situation just perfectly. There's, there's so many things. You've got blended families, how single people. There's no way I could ever, I could tell you right now if you're, you're, you're a, you're a dad sitting in here and you, you, you find yourself in a marriage where she brought some kids into the relationship. She brought a son from a previous marriage into the relationship and you're now the stepfather and there's some things the son's doing that you know you need to address, but you, you also know that the reason he's dealing with that is because of the way his biological father acts and there's all these things here and you don't know how am I supposed to handle this situation with my non-biological son and how... I'm telling you right now, there's, there's not a black and white answer for that in Scripture. But I will say this. Your marriage will never, ever, ever, ever succeed without inviting the person of the Holy Spirit to join you. Because he has the answers for all of those specific questions and specific needs that you, that you, have, that you have. Only the Holy Spirit knows what to do in that situation. And if as a, as a couple, even as an individual, if you're not embracing this person of the Holy Spirit, a lot of uh, people come from different backgrounds, different denominational backgrounds where the Holy Spirit uh, was talked about and it was, it was always weird. It was, no, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. It's the God that, that was left to you and I when Jesus left. The Bible says, Jesus said, the Father's not going to leave you alone. He said this to the disciples. It's better for me to go. Because if I'll go, the Father will send the Comforter. He will send the Teacher. He will send the Helper, not just to be with you, but to be in you. And if you don't embrace this person that's in you, trying to give you the answers for all of those little questions that you have concerning your marriage, you're never going to succeed. There's not a black and white answer for where should we go on vacation or how many kids should we have or what should we do with our... There's not a black and white answer, but the Holy Spirit has the answer. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland-Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.